3: hi hello welcome to old millennials a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and 2000s i am one of your hosts margot Boubard. and i'm your other host emily bajan and welcome to a bonus episode this was originally going to be on the patreon but we're not going to do that. This is too good to keep from the main feed. So we will be sharing it, bringing it to the people as it is meant to be brought in, especially in light of her birthday recently happening. And we're talking about Britney Spears and the woman in me today. I'm holding it up because I want to show Emily, even though we are recording in person, we were catching an echo on our mic. So we are technically separated right now, but in the same room.
1: Separate uh, but, but I wanna... together.
3: <laughs> Separate but together. It's a feeling... <laughs> Kind of COVID, of which like I'm'm so, I'm sorry to bring which, it up. The, the irony is the
1: last time we recorded together in person was pre-COVID. like that is why we moved to this remote uh, recording session.
3: Yeah, it's just really funny to hear you in my house and then also see you on a regular recording. But I'm holding up my book so you can see all of the tabs that I have in Brittany's book that are the DeMarco, where I have highlighted something insightful, something funny, something only Brittany could have written. That's how much I took this book club episode seriously. I appreciate that. I mean, a book
1: club needs a good leader, and you certainly have lived up to that.
3: Well, I definitely didn't write any like formal questions. I was just going to go on vibes, <laughs> but since Brittany is also a Sagittarius, she would totally get it. Of course. Well, before we get into like specific stuff, what is your overall impression of The Woman in Me? Did it did it satisfy everything you wanted from this book? Because I know you and I, especially when it comes to celeb memoirs, the celeboir, Uh, you and I have read a lot of them and I think, you know, maybe we can create the scale, like the Jessica Simpson scale of, um, balance, I guess, of a good memoir, because we've read a couple, especially recently, I think that we were both a little bit let down by, I know specifically for me, it was Paris Hilton. So I, I, on the Jessica Simpson scale of celeb memoir, what do how does Britney rank out of a, let's say like a one out of five Jessica Simpson collection shoe? (sighs) I would
1: say for me, this was like a four out of five. I really enjoyed this. Um, I, it was a bit short, but I am okay with that in many ways. I, for context, I listened to the audiobook narrated by Michelle Williams and one Michelle Williams did a great job. I'm glad they picked Michelle Williams. She was the right person to be in narrator in this sense. Um, if it wasn't going to be Brittany, uh, but yeah, for me, I think I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well written. I enjoyed the insight. Um I also enjoyed the conversational tone of it. Like I think there's definitely a ghostwriter and it's been talked about. Um and I forget what the ghostwriter's name is off the top of my head, but I appreciate that this was clearly written with Britney's vo- with Britney's voice still in it because um, and and you can read any Instagram caption of Britney's in the last two years, you will clearly see like this was written in Britney's tone, which I appreciate. How about you?
3: Just quickly looking up her ghostwriter. Sam Lansky. I couldn't remember Sam- his last name. And and it was kind of I had heard and like read around that it was like a team of ghostwriters too. Like he kind of like organized the book and got it into like a shape and into a a timeline that could cover all of the things that Brittany wanted to talk about, but also, you know, ground us in the process as well. And like, you know, refine it. But I think there were like a a team of ghostwriters that came in at different points, but there, like you said, there are distinctly parts of this book, especially a lot of the pages that I flagged are all passages that I feel like this is something only Brittany could have written. Uh, I specifically am thinking of the way that she describes people who live in Los Angeles because I was reading it on Muni on the way to meet up with friends and I was so struck by what she said and it stayed with me for so long. I made her read the passage at dinner because I really could not get over how funny it was the way that she described people in L.A. She's like in L.A. there are no seasons. It's always sunny out and people are walking around in a, under a bright blue sky in their sunglasses drinking cold drinks with drinking cold drinks uh, out of cups with straws and I'm like only Britney could describe people in LA in that specific of a way and and in that way it is also for, even though I gave it 5 stars on Goodreads because for the most part I I always do but I I think it is a, a, four, a four and a half Jessica Simpson collection shoe out of five. It like it almost got there for me. Like there were parts that I just wanted more information on or more of a story on or more of a perspective on. But I do understand and appreciate that all of this stuff is like so new and happening to her in real time. So perhaps you're she doesn't have enough space for like deeper reflection at this point. And it is really short. But also when I bought Britney's book, I stopped and, you know, like, uh, Picked up the tome that is Barbara Streisand's book and like, you know, she Oh, I got that audiobook too. That's a 32-hour audiobook, Margaret. It's it's 48. And I 48. read that the the audiobook is really long because she goes on side tangents while reading her book. Because many people have like written that uh they didn't realize that some of the stuff that she had read in her audiobook wasn't the same as in her book until she they said something to a person who had read her book and they're like, What? And like, oh, that explains what she she kept saying, okay, now back to the story because she just kept going like, oh, and then all this happened. And like Manny Patinkin was a jerk to me. And oh, but anyway, back to the story I was telling you, like would we'll just go on like little side quests all throughout, which I think is so incredible and is one of the times where I'm like, oh, this is definitely an audiobook over reading situation because it's going to be a quite a richer experience than the book. But to, to that end, Brittany, you know, is only in her her early 40s. She probably doesn't want to, like, write too much about the conservatorship and, like, dwell on it. But she knows it's what everybody wanted, wants to know about. So I think it was, like, a good opening uh, lay of the land for Brittany. And I feel like this book has so many parts of it that she can expand on should she ever want to do that. But I did feel like it was overall really satisfying, even though it was short. I thought it was one of those, like, great vacation reads, if you will, where you could just sit down Two or, two or three sits and you can just blow right through it. And and it's, it's easily written, like it's easy to read. Like it really, is it a shock that it's like a worldwide best- bestseller? Like, no, it's like obviously super easy to universally translate. Like it's, she was very smart about the way that she wrote this book.
1: I completely agree. And I think one thing that you brought up here is that it is universally been a bestseller. And I think it's one of the first books in a really long time where I know everybody's reading it or listening to the audiobook. Um, if you are a millennial, particular, like of a certain age, um, you have picked up this book or this audiobook. And that, to me, is fascinating because it it really it is very rare that there is a book that everybody, everybody, even people I know who aren't readers, are reading. And um that to me, is fascinating. and it's it's a touchstone it's 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 a testament to the icon she is of our generation and like how important she is, and also just like how many people are in her corner and like how many of us still you know support her so much even after everything she's been through um I really really uh came out of that also just like feeling so happy for her that she was out of such a horrible situation but so sad that like she has spent most of her life amongst people she doesn't trust and can't trust because they haven't been good to her like to hear that really the only good people to her in her life were her grandmother and Paris Hilton and Fiche, like Felicia like Fee like that to me is um and maybe like a handful of others but really that is that is so sad. Like it, it, it. I mean, our we already knew a lot of this, but to really hear it in her own words, um, in this book, um, was just like heartbreaking for me.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to get too off track because I want to get to the book soon because we just have so much, I'm sure, to talk about. But I was curious if you did see because this is you know dun 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 like breaking news. Did you hear about what happened to Jamie Spears recently? Jamie or Jamie Lynn? No, Jamie, her dad. No. He got his leg amputated after an infection. Oh. Because if there's one other major takeaway that I got from this book, it's that Jamie Spears 100% deserves jail. In Allegedly, don't sue me. But, like, I, I firmly believe that he allegedly deserves to go to jail for, like, the rest of his life because he the amount of money that he stole from his daughter it was so hard to read the conservatorship parts like to it your point like- of like her being surrounded by charlatans her own parents charlatans oh my, god.
1: oh my god can i just say like in the pantheon of stage dads there's like joe jackson's the worst like he gets you know top bit like Cause he's like all the above. And then it's Jay- it's Jamie Spears. Like they're pretty neck and neck though. Like uh, hey, it's I just, would
3: give them a tie for first after all this conservatorship. Stuff. I
1: like, this is so what an a uh, piece of shit. And just like to hear that he has been a piece of shit her whole life in some capacity. And, and like, not to say like, look, addiction is a disease. Like we all need to take that very seriously. Nonetheless, to see like what she went through and to see this man abuse her time and time again from childhood into adulthood. Adulthood after she was his fucking meal ticket for so long. I mean, it is just staggering. And to me, it is to quote Treyer to sorry to quote Cher Horowitz a travesty on the legal system. Like, absolutely insane that this shit was allowed to go down and it's why this has always reminded me her story of her conservatorship has always reminded me of brian wilson from the beach boys because he too dealt with something very similar albeit not with his father a psychiatrist but still very similar
3: that's a great similarity to bring up i i completely agree with that i (sighs) i To be betrayed by your family like that and then everybody wants to act surprised about stuff that she writes on Instagram or the way that she's acting. I can't imagine being controlled like that during truly the most formative time of your life, which is like 26 to 41 you know, that's like really when you find yourself and you really get settled into your career and like what you want. So the idea that her, you know, with all due respect to people who are alcoholics, uh, former alcoholics, but like her alcoholic like business, like failed business. Father filed for bankruptcy. Is controlling her finances in her life, and she only gets a two thousand dollar a week allowance. Britney With Spears, millions. Of, me,
1: millions of records, concert tickets. Like it is absolutely mind boggling, and for me, it is just to see. The way, yeah, she was forced to live. I, her, the way she has come out of this reminds me a lot of when I watch like a documentary around a cult or something, and someone who survives a cult and Mm -hmm. escapes, and they may live like a little bit of a different lifestyle still. And it's like, well, yeah, if you were under the guise of like mind manipulation, drugs, and all sorts of other things, and you were giving your money to these, like, I get it. Like, I get why these people are. I I feel like the mindset has to be similar. Like, you're gaslit into this. Like, she basically survived what people survive when they survive a cult. And in some cases, even worse, because she had to give away millions, millions of dollars that she
3: made, her own money. Well, her own money was used against her. It's like sick, you know, like she's paying lawyers to keep her under the thumb of her father with her money and she can't get her own lawyer because the lawyer that she that was assigned to her is inept and all he can do is just cash the check. And, you know, people I think we've said this before when we talked about the um, the New York Times piece that they did on her on framing Britney Spears of like it is like truly playing in our faces when some of the villains are named literally Andrew Wallet and this man is making millions of dollars off of a woman that he is allowing to be abused by a legal system like it you really it's like a James Bond villain level thing but I I feel like now we're getting we're in the weeds we're already in the weeds (laughs) we're 15 not even 15 minutes in and we're like, we're we've already careened into the end of the book, which is mostly the conservatorship. But before we start, you know, go back back to the beginning, as Hilary Duff says, are any other like overall thoughts about the woman in me?
1: Just the level of hard work that she put into getting where she is today. Like, I mean, I knew that we always see it because she is like a fantastic dancer. I already knew she was a theater kid as a small child, but like, just to know, like, you know, where she came from. And I mean, I knew she came from kind of like a small town in Louisiana, but to really know, like, contextually, like, you know, the world that she had experienced when she was thrust into stardom. And like, you know, this is a woman who uh, probably, you know, I think she even talks about it in this book, like, wrote her first airplane as a teen, like, you know, as as um as as when she was becoming a famous person, like that kind of thing. It was just you you realize I knew she had lived a sheltered life. I don't think I had realized just like how sheltered um, until she kind of described it in this book, but in weird ways, because she lived a sheltered life in that small town sense and yet was exposed to so much at such a young age. Like, I don't think the the picture that was painted for so long about the childhood she had was very, you know, quite idyllic. And so to, to hear it in her own words, just like how bad it was and how quickly she had to become an adult um, was just very heartbreaking, even before becoming a famous person.
3: I'd say like my last parting thought though, is it really starts with the title for me. What do you think of the woman in me as a title for the book? She does talk about it a lot throughout the book and I think my problem is we never really get a clear definition of what the woman in her means to her. She just sort of like says it a lot as sort of like maybe it's like a mantra or like, um yeah, like a mantra, like what you say to yourself, like when you meditate or whatever. But to me, I feel like I I kind of think I know what she means. It's very like not yet a girl. uh, uh wait, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman, the woman in me is still trying to find the person within me. But I, I I can't help because it's Brittany and I have I follow her Instagram. I can't help but feel that they're probably knowing her is a deeper meaning behind it. And I don't know. I don't know if I love it as a title. It just is sort of one of those like, you know, say nothing titles. But you know, what's in a title? But I don't know. What's your perspective? I'm not great at naming shit. So what do I know? it's
1: not my favorite title one, because yeah, I think it's kind of vague, but two, the other thing is it's a f- title of a very famous Shania Twain album. So that's what I kept thinking of when, uh, I saw the woman in me, like I, that was immediately where I went to was, you know, Shania Twain, whose bed have your boots been under, but, um, yeah, I just, I think like it's hard to title things and maybe for her, you know, like to your point, Brittany always has a lot of uh, double meanings and things that she says on her Instagram captions, and so I think in this case that might have been that, and it's something she just didn't really do a great job explaining as uh as a part of this book.
3: well, she talks a lot, especially when we get to the conservatorship part talks a lot about how you know she's a, she was supposed to be a woman and supposed to be this adult, but they treated her like a child, so she re- she regressed into being a child and and rebelling against things that her dad. Asked her to do like you know like the the what was it the Cosmopolitan or the the, her second Vegas residency that she just like walked off, and I think it's also kind of evident in the way like in her social media behavior that yeah I don't know she's rediscovering herself after you know not being able to be in touch with herself for 13 years so I think that's like sort of what she's getting at since she again brings it up quite frequently that she doesn't feel like her age and she doesn't really even really knows like she doesn't really know what that what that means as a part of her life since she hasn't been able to be her own person for so long so yeah i just kind of thought there would be like a chapter about like the woman in me <laughs> and what that means to me but i honestly my very first flag is um the uh aya ah, yeah, foches sh- foches line because you know some of the setup to her book some of it is sad Most of it we already know, like, you know, the star search to Mickey Mouse Broadway pipeline that landed her at Jive. But uh, just like in the broad strokes, I think what's most interesting about obviously her background and her family and how she grew up was learning the extremely scary parallel between Brittany and her grandmother, who she shares a name with, Jean, and how her father, Jamie, learned that when women get quote unquote difficult or get out of line or whatever, you ship them off to a mental health institution and you put them on lithium and get them to fucking behave. And seeing that line, that direct line between Britney's grandmother and grandmother and grandfather on her father's side, how her father was abused growing up by his father and how he's passed down that trauma so generously to Britney in the form of this conservatorship because now the stakes are even higher than they were when Jamie was growing up was extremely disturbing to learn
1: yeah the parallels were one terrifying two. you
3: know you just made me pause for a second
1: because we were talking about the title the woman me I almost wonder it's like weird because it's it's woman singular, but I almost wonder if there's a bit like the women in me and one of them being her grandmother is like who she's talking about here. Um, that that, you know, sharing the namesake, but also sharing that lineage and maybe sharing, you know, that's now that same story in many ways. Um, and just her having somewhat of a level of empathy early on about her dad and the abuse that he endured like that. I, I give her like credit for having that grace given everything she endured. I mean, for me, um, yeah, just seeing those parallels with the grandmother was, was so, um, jarring and like so sad to, to almost see, you know, your destiny early on in life without even
3: knowing yeah, that's so creepy. And, you know, her grandmother on her mother's side, that was, you know, a little bit more of like a heartwarming tale and kind of gave a little bit of insight as to why uh, sometimes Brittany would like slip into a British accent is because her-, her mother's side of the family is British, which was a really interesting thing to kind of like connect that. I feel like that she left a lot of interesting and fun breadcrumbs where if you are a Britney fan you can kind of like piece them together in your own little like make your own adventure into Britney Spears land which I really liked and I appreciated the dichotomy between the light and dark contrast of grandmothers and it was nice that she inherited something fun from her British grandmother which is you know imitating her accent but back to our our, our man Jamie There's lots of talk, especially in the beginning, about him being drunk, losing his job, going bankrupt. We meet a lot of other family members like her Aunt Sandra, who comes into play much later on, contributing to like, you know, Brittany's infamous uh, life in 2007 was a huge contribution to her spiral was her Aunt Sandra passing away and how close she was with her and was basically like raised with her her whole life. Is there anything in the Mickey Mouse Club or anything along the lines uh leading up to Britney's like, you know, Hit Me Baby One More Time that you want to get more into or do you want to get into that or what am I missing? Any other family stuff?
1: I guess yeah, just realizing how um intertwined her life was early on not just so, Mickey Mouse Club. We know all the other famous players, right? We knew Justin Timberlake, we knew uh, Christina Aguilera, and JC Chazay and Carrie Russell, um, and Ryan Gosling. But knowing that, even in her Broadway days, not only was Natalie Portman the other understudy for her role in Ruthless off Broadway, but they were both they were both understudies for Laura Bell Bundy, who is now a very famous Tony Award-winning actress. She was Elle Woods in the Legally Blonde musical and has gone on to um, be, you know, a bunch of very famous roles, originate a lot of famous roles on Broadway. So that to see early on her brushes with other soon-to-be stars at a young age, not just in the Mickey Mouse circuit, but also the off-Broadway circuit, uh, was really fascinating to to see and hear. And it's 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 interesting to see how you, you know, these people... Come into her life.
3: She had a lot of actually really good, like, celeb stories. And this is a wonderful intro to the other part of the page that I highlighted. Uh, That's opposite of the faux shiz quote, which we obviously can get to because it's hysterical and I want to spend a hundred years talking about it. So this is how she describes meeting Mariah Carey at an award show. I I just highlighted the section that's the most fun. You know how we all have ring lights now? Well, more than 20 years ago, only Mariah Carey knew about ring lights. And no, I can't say just her first name. To me, she is always going to be Mariah Carey. I did everything Mariah Carey told me to do and we took the photo. Of course she was completely right about everything. The photo looked incredible. I know I want a I know I won an award that night, but I couldn't even tell you what it was. The perfect photo with Mariah Carey, that was the real prize. And she gets starstruck all throughout this book like she talks about seeing Lenny Kravitz and being starstruck. She talks about being starstruck by Carrie Russell when they were just kids. It's really fun to hear her make these like little comments and it's comments like that that really reassure me that Britney obviously wrote this book there are things that in the way that she says them that uh only britney can say those only britney can put the sentence together it's like it's almost like a jenna from 30 rock like this is a sentence only jenna could ever think of and that's how i feel about britney i'd say in this section where she's talking about the success about Hit Me Baby and the recording of her first album, I don't know. We didn't really get, even throughout, the only album she really kind of goes into some detail about recording it is mostly Blackout and then followed a little bit by Glory, only in regards really to like her kids and also feeling like she finally enjoyed making music again. But Nothing else, nothing really about, like, the debut album or, like, not as much. She had, like, a couple lines about the music video, but it's it goes – you could tell, at least at this point in her life, uh, in reflecting and looking back, it wasn't more important – like, the biggest part of her life was not necessarily the album taking off. It was Justin Timberlake and her relationship with him.
1: You bring up a point in my – like, that maybe it's not my – maybe not a complaint about this book, but that one thing that I do think about this book, which is, yeah, she is, Britney is going to spend the time she wants to spend on the things she really, that really matter to her at this point. And to your point, it is really only the Blackout album that gets a lot of focal or a lot of uh, time in this book. And then really when it comes to Baby One More Time, it's strictly the song Baby One More Time in the music video. Um, she, she does spend some time talking about her first meeting with Max Martin, but yeah, it is like, to your point, um, the albums are all kind of an afterthought. A lot more time is spent on this kind of the starstruck feeling she experienced and her performances. She does spend a lot of time talking about her tours and her choreography and performances, which was interesting. And then Crossroads comes in at a, a small point, but yeah, it is It is very much like Brittany went in with this, like, I'm going to only focus on, you know, things that have brought me joy outside because I know I'm going to have to talk about this conservatorship and the things that did not bring me joy during these parts of my life.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to think back on any like she talks she to your point about like the record stuff or about like the various records that she's recorded because she has like a very large discography. Um, She it, it, they're just like I wouldn't say throwaway sentences, but they're just like too short. Like she talks about how she really had to push to get Madonna to be on a single with her and that the label didn't think it was going to work. And then it like ended up doing gangbusters and it was just another instance of her being like ahead of her time.
1: Oh, another thing, sorry, that I, before we forget, because we're talking about Madonna and me and the music, which is going to also go into like the kiss at the MTV Awards. She, I didn't realize she and Christina were on such like not great terms. I mean, not, not great terms, I guess, but she was, she didn't have very uh, great things to say about Christina Aguilera, which was interesting because I remember we, I remember t- calling this out. A couple of years ago, not calling it out, but acknowledging that like Christina was one of the few people uh, who from her past life who had supported her during all the troubles that she was facing when they were coming to light on social media. And in hindsight, I'm realizing maybe, I mean, it was always going to be a little performative, but like maybe it was more performative than I thought. So that was interesting to me.
3: I kind of had like a little bit of a different read on that though. Like I really kind of felt like in my perspective – Not maybe it wasn't always like kind or something, but there was definitely a point in the book later on where Brittany says that she saw Christina at a party and she seemed messed up and something like that. And she like couldn't believe that she was like that in public. But I felt like that was more like she wished that she could be like that, but that her life was so I think it kind of fed into the like, oh, people are like partying, having fun without me. Not necessarily like a dig on Christina, although I could see it going that way i i don't know i think i don't know if she necessarily holds a grudge i don't think either of them really do i think they can both appreciate and understand that they've been through it you know trademark and that they were both child stars and that they both didn't have it easy for different reasons
0: ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
3: And so I I don't think that I think that if Brittany has any ill, not ill will, but like if she has any type of feelings about Christina that are negative, I think she'll eventually let it go and come around on that. Because I do believe that they have such a huge shared experience. It'd be really silly to hang on to any of that stuff. But I do understand when you're like going through it and processing a lot of trauma, you can kind of assign blame to the wrong person that with some perspective you can appreciate had nothing to do with the situation.
1: I can see that for sure.
3: But yeah, I was I would say like, you know, the half a shoe that's missing for me of this book was like kind of a little bit more into the records and like the making of. And I to to your point about the tours, though, I feel like she spends a lot of time talking about how she fucking hates being on tour. I mean, and how much she also didn't really like love her residency. Like towards the end, obviously, she was like happy to be done. And I understand her. Frustration about why she didn't like the residency, like not being able to change the playlist sounds really fucking annoying, not being able to do new remixes, feeling like your fans aren't getting the best possible show like I can from a a perfectionist point of view and a hard workers point of view, I totally understand where she's coming from. But as a fan that saw it, I I wouldn't know the difference, you know, it was like the only time that I got to go see her perform. And I was just so happy. And she was, I thought she was amazing. And she was a great dancer uh, and had wonderful choreography and just great stage presence, but also it was the end of it. So maybe she was more excited knowing that it was going to end soon. But what she really liked about Vegas is not uh, that it wasn't a grind like tour was like, it was still a grind, but at least it wasn't like going city to city. It wasn't like as involved. It didn't feel as grueling as a regular tour does.
1: I think the other thing that I'm recognizing from this book is just how little of a say she had. I knew early on in her career, she didn't have a say in a lot as most pop stars don't, like they are controlled by a machine and a label. Uh, But to realize that blackout may in fact be one and, and, and maybe like the Onyx hotel might be the only times where she like that tour might be the only times where she had full control of her career is pretty fascinating because it's bookended. Her career as a performer is pretty much bookended by being controlled, starting with being controlled by a label And then later being controlled by her own father like that to me in itself is fascinating to think about having a 20 uh, year career that has been 90 percent of the time controlled by one person or one group of
3: people. I mean she it, it shouldn't be that surprising. I mean, I know that she's, you know, not Taylor Swift and she's not telling us a story in all of her songs about her personal life, but so much of her music is about control, having too much, wanting to be her own person, especially when you think about her later albums like In the Zone and um which What's Slave for You? Britney. Yeah, Britney. There are a couple of songs where she talks about being overprotected and not having enough control in her career. And so that's always been a theme in her music regardless. And so now we kind of have a better insight into why exactly she was saying that necessarily and that it wasn't because her demographic felt that way about their own lives. Like it was actually really happening in her life. So it was a little bit more of an autobiographical situation than it was not. But I mean, I wonder how much... She want. I mean, hopefully, she wanted to talk about blackout because she really does enjoy it. I do. I do wonder if it was perhaps a ghostwriter's suggestion that she incorporate something about her, um something about the making of one of her favorite albums. Who cares which one? Just pick one, and she, maybe she picked blackout. But I was just really curious. I would be curious to know what made her pick blackout, other than she, it seems like she was really proud of it, and it was obviously like the last best thing that she got to have for herself before she became controlled by her father. Yeah. No other points to that. I agree. Should we move on to like the Justin section? Yes. Okay. In that spirit, I'm going to read this now famous quote. One day Jay and I were in New York going to parts of town. I'd never been to before walking our way was a guy with a huge blinged out medallion. He was flanked by two giant security guards. Jay got all excited and said so loud, Oh, yeah, fochers, fochers, genuine. What's up, homie? After genuine walked away, Felicia did an impression of Jay. Oh, yeah, fochers, fochers, genuine. I can't even imagine a more apt quote to describe what a fucking loser Justin Timberlake is than that right there my friends and to be honest that's probably the only time he doesn't come across as a total fucking asshole is like everything after this that she the way that she talks about him he sucks
1: I one he sucks Two, I don't get to use the word doofus often so I get to use it today what a doofus um Three, when we get more into this Justin Timberlake portion, I can't wait to speculate with you who we think the the mystery woman was. Um,
3: How did you know that that was the next Justin tab that I had? (laughs) If we had like a bingo card, you would have already been there. Um, I'm
1: glad that
3: I'm like, I'm picking up your vibes all the way from the other side of the room. Yeah, because, you know... They blew up at the same time. Maybe she was a little bit more popular than him. She doesn't really necessarily examine that. But what we do know is that Justin cheated a fuck ton, apparently. Uh, straight from Brittany, uh, she said, um, there were a couple of times during our relationship when I knew Justin had cheated on me, especially because I was so infatuated and in love. So I let it go, even though the tabloids seemed determined to rub it in my face. When NSYNC went to London in 2000, photographers caught him with one of the girls from All Saints in a car, but I never said anything. At that time, we'd been together for a year and now the highlighted portion that was just stage setting. Another time we were in Vegas and one of my dancers who'd been hanging out with him told me he gestured towards a girl and said, yeah, man, I hit that last night. I don't want to say who he was talking about because she's actually very popular because she's actually very popular and married with kids now. I don't want her to feel bad. Okay, Who do you think it is? I have I have one guess that doesn't feel good, but it might be right.
1: I think I know who you're going to guess. Um, Okay, on
3: three. One, two, three. three. Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore. Sorry, Mandy. We still love you, but you know.
1: She dated a lot of older men than her at that time. And when I say older, I mean like because she was probably only 18, 19 years old because she's younger than the rest of the pop stars. And so she's born in 84. Like I think she's turning 40 next year. So back then, you know, she dated Wilmer Valderrama when she was pretty, you know, still underage, I think, um, then, Um, and dated Zach Braff a few years later. So, like, it wouldn't surprise me.
3: Oh, no, it wouldn't surprise me either. I've, you know, I've done all of the Reddit thread digging that you could possibly do to try to figure it out. And it really does sound the most aligned time and place. And clearly, Brittany... Is not mad at her. and I, But I do understand how if she named her, it would be not amazing for her social media mentions. Especially after Mandy caught like some heat recently because she was like kind of a dick about like the SAG strike and like dressing up for Halloween. And so people were like, OK, just calm down. It's just Halloween. But so I don't know if she could have afforded to catch any more strays at that point. Not to mention she dealt with her own toxic
1: relationship sure. with Ryan Adams. So, like, at this point, like, clearly Brittany knows that
3: she's been through it. It's it's not going to – it's not going to help anything. Um, and I, I guess the only other thing to discuss about their relationship is what's been discussed probably the most out of this book, which is that she reveals that she – her and Justin got pregnant and she, he asked her essentially to have an abortion because he was not ready to become a father. And I don't know if, I ne- if we necessarily need to examine that more than it's already been discussed. But I think it being a huge contributing factor to their breakup was very interesting. Although she does talk about how she cheated on Justin one time because she felt entitled to doing that after he had cheated on her whole bunch with Wade Robson. And this is another thing where it was like an underbaked story that I feel like – we're not getting everything, and that she doesn't want. I think she's maybe um too close and is kind of wrapped up at this point in the narrative of like she doesn't want anybody to think she's ever done anything wrong, or that she feels like people pick apart what she says, and she just can't deal with it. And that's totally fair. But I do. I feel like we're missing some details to the Wade Robson story. Like, yeah, I really do, and I genuinely wish she would have at least acknowledged that dance battle situation that allegedly happened in a club in the two thousands.
1: I mean, again, someone else who maybe she also just didn't want to drag him
3: into anything anymore. Cause you know, right. He's, he's definitely through. Yeah. Uh, going through it. So yes. he's got his own problems. And so maybe she was just being gracious, but yeah, I, I think the toll and the unprocessed trauma of, her breakup with Justin, you know, is one of those things that obviously we can guess at, but now have like full confirmation of how bad of a place it left her in mentally and kind of like left her in this sort of emotional Red, like in in the red emotionally, that she never really quite got back to the center of because people just, and this is a theme for like her whole life it's just just like get her ass back to work, like get her on whatever she needs to be on, get her ass back on the stage, and get her making money. Like, and whether it's that regard for her mental health and like personal well being, whether that disregard comes from like our record label, her father, but I think the message is still clear to Britney, which is like you don't matter all that matters is how much money you can make us and we don't really care about anything else.
1: Yeah, ultimately, I mean, the men she's never ba- she's very seldom had a good man in her life at any stage in in the like familial sense or the relationship sense. I mean, to see her get go from, you know, um, Justin Timberlake in a breakup that left her pretty devastated and had long lasting impacts to then moving on to Kevin Federline, who is a piece of shit, uh, to, you know, then having to move on to a slew of other kind of not so great men sometimes. And then later to have to ultimately be controlled by her own father. Like, it's just, it's really, it's, it's, I cannot imagine what it it must feel like to feel like every almost every man who's ever been a part of your life has been untrustworthy.
3: Well, that's a, an unintentional amazing segue to what I want to talk about next, which is the hits keep coming. Yeah, not only could she trust no man, she could trust no woman, especially her mom or her sister. Because one thing I appreciate about Britney's book is that she does not hold back about what she feels, and thinks about every single member of her family. The way that she just gives a little bop bop to her sister at any fucking chance, which I think is hilarious and great and like, fuck Jamie Lynn, et cetera. But the way that she does it really takes me out. The first highlight that I have for Jamie Lynn that really crushed me because I was like, damn, you didn't have to do that. Um, Just as she's talking about her mom getting divorced from her dad and you know how she was self-medicating and couldn't get off the couch. And her dad was like MIA. And then she just comes at her sister in the funniest way. And my little sister's quote from the book, and my little sister, well, when I tell you she was a total bitch, I'm not exaggerating.
1: (laughs) I think for me, the Jamie Lynn of it all that was shocking is to know that not only, I mean, she's always been a jerk like as an adult, but to know that she has always been an ingrit is like just uh, incredible. I mean, talk about writing on the coattails of your sister. Like it is just to know how spoiled and how awful she was even as a child is just like, Jesus. And then the other thing I want to bring up is the Lynn Spears of it all, because this is a woman who made a career out of her identity as Britney Spears' mom. I, I don't know if you remember this, but Lynn released a book in the early 2000s that my
3: sister owned and like we both read. I mean, all of my my facial expressions are because you are setting me up perfectly to read a passage about Lynn that has (laughs) everything to do about what you are saying. So thank you, because I thought all of these passages, I thought all of these passages were is so telling. And it really drives home the point, because if you ever want to, quote unquote, read Lynn Spears's book uh, without actually reading it, go to chelsea devantes's chelsea Devantes of celebrity um, memoir book podcast uh she her go to her instagram in her highlights she sometimes will story a book that she's reading for the podcast and then make her little co- and make her comments in there and then screenshot passages and you can read them and she has one for Lynn Spears' book. And oh my God. Like I don't want to ever read the whole thing. And I thank her for her service. She is an incredibly kind person on the internet. But it she, she knew that the people needed to see what a horrendous, disgusting person Lynn Spears was at her daughter's lowest point. So this is the the paragraph that I, I, this really took me out. Um I have well, there are two parts, but we'll start here. My mother was telling Meredith Vieira on the Today Show that she'd spent hours wondering how things went so wrong with me. On another show, the audience clapped when she said my sister was pregnant at 16. That was classy as shit, apparently, because she was still with the father. Yes, how wonderful. She was married to her husband and having a baby at 17. They're still together. Great. It doesn't matter that she's a child having a child. I swear to God, it makes me want to cry to think about my kids going through anything hard like I was going through when they were babies. The last thing I would do would be to cut my hair into a bob and put on a tasteful pantsuit and sit down on a morning show set across from Meredith fucking Vieira and make money off my child's misfortune. That paragraph truly stayed with me. I mean, it was it not only is it funny, but it, it perfectly encapsulates her rage and exactly why. Any normal person would be full of rage if this happened to them. I am so weary
1: out of any celebrity's parent who uh, makes their career out of being that person's parent and their identity and has a whole thing around it moving forward. Cause the Lynn Spears is not the first and certainly won't be the last. Um, but just to see that hypocrisy play out the way it did and just to realize how different it was. Cause I really, I really hope there was some glimmer of hope with the mom, but no, it, she, in some ways I think she might be even worse. Not, no, that's not true because Jamie Spears is a piece of shit. But, like, to see the hypocrisy play out the way it did was just, like, staggering.
3: No, I, I don't know. I wonder if she might be worse because uh, that reminded me of a quote that she talks about later on because her parents do get back together in 2010, eight years after their divorce. And she felt really betrayed by the state of California at this point. And she goes on to say, my mom seemed to love that because of the conservatorship, my dad now had a real job. They watched Criminal Minds on the couch every fucking night. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't- yeah, who does that Joe Montana? <laughs> but also, there was a point in time where Sean and I definitely watched Criminal Minds every night. You know what I mean? I mean, I never, like, forced... You gotta see the grouper. <laughs> I never forced anybody to, like, perform against their will or anything. But, yeah, that was just because <laughs> the cable uh, in my, like, shitty post-college house. Like, we only got basic cable, and that was what was on Ion. So that was what we were watching at night. But yeah, she has nothing nice to say about either of them, but I thought that quote was super funny. But, you know, we, well, let's see. Let's go to Kevin because I think Kevin is a fun place to go because he he fucking sucks and was clearly uh, much thirstier for the fame than perhaps we had even suspected because some of, you know, you and I obviously watched Chaotic, Kevin and Brittany, and it seemed like her idea but it seemed like perhaps it was maybe his idea to sort of soft launch himself because as she goes on to say at one point about kevin he really thought he was a rapper now bless his heart because he did take it so seriously
1: i think that to me is the the whole yeah i i i look i knew he kind of took himself seriously i don't think to that extent i i feel like he there was the way she talked about it in this book he didn't realize this was like 15 minutes of fame. And that to me is probably the most fascinating thing. Um, I was so happy to get to hear Popo Zhao again. Oh my god, for the so I was
3: so long. <laughs> first of all, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, we should add that to the playlist. Uh <laughs> A couple of years years ago, it got stuck in my head for some reason, and I then had to share it with Sean and then it, it then it got stuck in both of our heads. and it and that now leads me to my next point, which is I was trying to find the point in this book where she drags Kevin and that song. He's like, she, she's like, she's says something the effect of like, um, popo's out. It's Brazilian for big ass. That wasn't what he was rapping about like real nice. <laughs> But really, she just comes for Kevin because she says that he was really enthralled with fame and power and that some celebrities handle fame really well because they have perspective, but that she didn't. And that Kevin also just seemed to really love it for the sake of really loving it. But I think her Kevin era, because of like the kids and stuff. um, Um, There's just like this part where she talks about her house with Kevin. She says, Kevin and I built an incredible house in Los Angeles right beside Mel Gibson's house. Gross. Sandy from Greece lived nearby too. I'd see her out and I'd call out, Hi, Olivia Newton John. How are you, Olivia Newton John? Which is very like, Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. But I can also see Britney doing that because she was probably
1: obsessed with Grease as a child, which I love.
3: Look, if she's calling Mariah Carey Mariah Carey to her face, like she's calling Olivia Newton-John Olivia Newton-John to her face. You know what I mean? But I thought this was super funny because this was like um, kind of a glimpse into Britney's mindset when she finally got a taste of like having being able to like spend her own money and stuff. Uh, I didn't like the wooden floor, so I added marble everywhere. And of course, it had to be white marble. The interior designer was completely against it. He said, quote, marble floors are super slippery and it's hard if you fall down. I want marble, I shouted. I need marble. It was my home and my nest. and It was fucking beautiful. But I think that's when I knew that I became weird. (laughs)
1: I do. She, I do love that she there's a very Dolly Parton side to her where she's like, this is my taste. It may look cheap. And you better and that's okay. That's me. Like she talks about her dressing. And she, she even says like, I know I'm not the best dresser in this book. And I, there is something about her in that sense, which I just love, which is that she is so unapologetically herself. And I can really appreciate after everything she endured. She's still fucking Brittany, bitch.
3: Well, I finally found that passage that I told you about. Los Angeles is warm and sunny all year round. Driving through the city, sometimes it's hard to remember what season it is. Everywhere you look, people are wearing sunglasses and drinking cold drinks out of straws, smiling and laughing underneath a clear blue sky. (laughs) I don't know why that passage got me so good, but I truly had to make everybody at dinner read it. I was like, please, it's poetry. You don't understand.
1: I mean, Haim has never described Los Angeles as vividly. Randy Newman who? Like, come on. She's
3: still got it, baby. Well, you know, to bring it back to the beginning and the title of The Woman in Me, you know, maybe I was wrong. You know, I can admit when I was wrong because I think maybe The Woman in Me kind of, I found something that I had bookmarked earlier that I think is maybe like the whole thesis of the book. Uh, Brittany so poignantly says, at one point... Uh, sorry. At what point did I promise to say 17 for the rest of my life? Which I think is like a huge. I mean, I think that's just like an underlying issue for any woman at any point in their life. Uh, and not to mention a giant superstar who has been famous since she was a child. There is this sort of pressure to be this ingenue for forever. And it, it really is the I hope Britney's seen Brit. I hope Britney has seen Barbie because it's truly that America Ferreira speech in so many ways. But I just feel like that is maybe kind of like touches on what we were, what we've been saying all along in regards to like the title of the book. Like maybe it's like the many women that are in her that make her up, sort of like Betty Gilpin's All of the Women in My Brain. Like it's just a a different way of saying it. That 17 line hits me,
1: hits on so many different levels because it is the like, you know, Who you you are going to be in your career. You can't always be the ingenue. Like, there's no, it doesn't make sense after you leave, you know, the age of 17. But it also harkens back to like her father and the control he has over her as an adult, as if she is a teenager again. And it's like so interesting because that line just resonates on so many levels in this book.
3: Totally. That's the the- I mean, that's the thesis for her whole career, is at what point did she promise to say 17 forever for all of you? And why? And I think that's a really in- in- interesting thing to examine. And perhaps she is going to write a second book. She did say that. And I think it's been number one for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And I think that that's incredible that she's had such a great success with the book. And I wonder if it will warrant another... Uh, another volume of Britney stories even if it's just like another collection of stories of from her childhood through her career I'd be happy with that as well but I I really enjoyed the book even if it's missing you know half a Jessica Jessica Simpson collection shoe because I think it's it's refreshing to read it in her own words she you do not even though there were things that we wanted her to expand on, I never got the impression or felt like she was holding anything back in any sort of way at all. And, you know, I I read a couple of celeb memoirs this year, and the one that I was the most let down by, like, no offense, is, is Paris Hilton's. I felt like you could feel her holding back on every page, and she had... Such a need to spin everything into a positive and and to girl boss it away and to sliving it away and to turn it into branding and sometimes you don't have to do that. I mean, you can and I think that that's great. But I really appreciate that Brittany just like, no, this fucking sucks and I don't even know what to do with it anymore because I was the one thing that used to give me joy and passion that and I loved, which is singing and dancing, is been completely stripped away of any of that for me now and I don't know where I go from here and I and I'm still processing all of this stuff and I think. That in so many ways, maybe Paris Hilton's next book will be better when she's older and has more perspective and feels like she can say more things. I I feel like Brittany's next book will be more in depth and have more stories to it as well. But she doesn't hold back at all, and I think that for that, it made it a really notable read. And I you totally get why everybody is reading it. It's like a po- it's like popcorn. Like I know this is like her real life, but it's it's like the perfect vacation one sit read like you just blow through it because she has led a one-of-a-kind life
1: yeah i i w- couldn't agree more i would also add that i do ha- i am happy to see it end on the note of her releasing the single with elton john and like having that um you know kind of be this like the end for now um in terms of of her career and career i do but yeah to your point it never feels like she's holding anything back and it would make the book a much better book if it were in there you know what i mean like that would be nice but it's not like it wouldn't make or break the book It, it is it is well edited for being this kind of shorter memoir and um yeah i just appreciate that it stayed true to her voice and the way she speaks um and the way she writes on Instagram because I think it would it would feel very jarring for it to not be that way. So, I I appreciated it for that.
3: Yeah, I mean, even the there's a passage in here that I didn't that I couldn't find again that I didn't highlight the first time about how she knows that she has bad style and that she's trying to work on it and she wants to be better, but you can see like in the spread That was in People um, to promote the book like the week before it came out. It was like her own dress and her own photography. And you can really, and she talks about it a little bit in the book about how like she really enjoys Instagram because it's the first time she's ever had control of her own image, which is such a haunting thing to sit and think about, especially in the age of people protecting their kids' identities online so that they can choose how they want to be perceived. The idea that it took her. 40 some odd years to have control over her own image like maybe now we can all have a little bit more empathy and just like leave her alone and let her do her little knife dances and let her do her whatever she wants i mean like that last one of her last <laughs> instagram dance videos where she's like dancing on a pole but then like her assistants like in the background like doing work is one of the funniest things i've ever seen and we should just like just let brittany live you know we've freed her now let her live Couldn't agree more.
1: At this point, let her have her fun. Let her wear, let her show her midriff off at whatever age. Like, let her do her own thing. At this point, like, I, this is, there are people doing far worse things in the world than putting out fun little videos on Instagram.
3: Okay. Well, I think we have thoroughly examined the woman in me, the woman in you, and the woman in Britney Spears. And it was a great. Right. I'm really glad that we read this book together. I'm glad that we recapped it for the podcast. I hope everybody listening enjoyed this episode. If you did, it'd be super cool if you could rate us five stars if the whatever platform you are listening to this on gives you that ability. If you enjoyed this episode also make sure you follow us on wherever you listen to this podcast if you are so inclined you can also give us a follow on social media we are at the old millennial's pod on instagram and facebook and we will be back with another episode this week and until then we say bye bye